the Lord is ready for us this morning. As we continue uh, the series of teaching we've been uh, doing this new year on fire, we've been looking at uh, the manifestation of fire throughout the Bible as a, as a picture of the, the presence of God, beginning with the burning bush in, in the book of Exodus and then uh, continuing uh, forward. Last week we saw the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from the book of Daniel, how the presence of God was manifested in the trial and, 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 and the temptation that they were uh, passing through in their life. So this morning we are going to look at a prophecy from the book of uh, Zechariah, chapter 2, uh, verses 1 to 5. And the title of my message this morning is Wall of Fire, the God who protects. So the leading text for this morning is uh, Zechariah chapter 2, verses 1 to 5. Let's quickly read that and then we will pray and go to the word. So it reads, Then I raised my eyes and looked, and behold, a man with a measuring line in his hand. So I said, Where are you going? And he said to me, To measure Jerusalem, to see what is its width and what is its length. And there was the angel who talked with me going out, and another angel was coming out to meet him, who said to him, Run, Speak to this young man, saying, Jerusalem shall be inhabited as towns without walls, because of the multitude of men and livestock in it. For I, can we read verse 5 together? 1, 2, 3. For I, says the Lord, will be a wall of fire all around her, and I will be the glory in her midst. Let's pray. Dear Father, we thank you for your presence in our midst this morning. We have gathered for no other reason, for no other purpose than to be in your presence, to listen to you, to worship you, and to have communion and relationship with you. We pray, Lord, that your, your, your presence will be manifested in our midst this morning. We pray that someone's eyes will be opened this morning to see you, to see your glory we pray that your, your, your word will touch someone's heart this morning. Father, we have not come for any other reason than to be in your presence. Open our eyes and let us see your glory. Open our hearts and let us comprehend the beauty of your presence and your majestic glory. Any desire of heart that is represented in our church this morning. Meet every desire, Lord. Meet every question, every issue of life this morning. As your word is being preached, let your power flow throughout this congregation and let someone's heart and eyes be opened as your word shines right through it in the name of Jesus. Amen. The verse that I just read to you is uh, a prophecy that uh, the prophet Zechariah spoke. Now, Zechariah is one of the minor prophets in, in the Bible. Uh, they, this, some of the prophets are called minor prophets, not because the prophecy they, they brought was not, uh, 
was not accurate or w- that there was any problem with it. The only reason was that they, the, 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 the prophecy that they spoke was uh, volume-wise shorter than the, the great uh, prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah who have uh, prophesied some 60 chapters, 66 and 52 chapters. So Zechariah is one of the minor prophets in the Old Testament. So from the scripture I just read to you, he is seeing this vision of a person having a measuring line in his hand and walking towards Jerusalem trying to measure the city. So the Lord says, uh, sends an angel to this young man going about to the city to measure it and tells him, Jerusalem shall be inhabited as a town without walls because of the multitude of men and livestock that will be living in it, pointing towards the, the, the final, the ultimate fulfillment of this prophecy in Christ Jesus where the nations all around the world will, are going to be saved and are going to uh, inhabit Jerusalem in the coming future. So this prophecy came through Zechariah at the time of the returning of the Jews from captivity in, in Babylon. Now in 597 BC, uh, I'm going to get, uh, give you a bit of a historical context to this prophecy. Now Judah and Jerusalem were invaded by the Chaldeans in 597 uh, BC under the leadership of King Nebuchadnezzar. And a portion of the Jewish people were taken captive to Babylon and there they dwelled for some 70 years. And in the prophecy of Jeremiah, we see, we read that God was repeatedly warning his people, uh, calling them uh, to repent and be obedient, but, but they continued in their idol worship and disobedience. They neglected the word of God until came a time where King Nebuchadnezzar took over the city. He destroyed Jerusalem. He destroyed the temple that King Solomon built. And he led a portion of the people captive. Now the people lived there for 70 years. Now in 538 BC something happened. A great king Cyrus the Great of Persia uh, defeated the Chaldeans, King Nebuchadnezzar, and he took over Babylon. Now Cyrus then proclaimed that the Jewish people are now free to go back to their land, to Jerusalem, and he even undertook uh, to build the temple that was destroyed. So this prophecy of uh, Zechariah came at a time of this return that the Jews were making back to, back to Jerusalem. Now you can imagine that as they were preparing to go back to Jerusalem after abandoning the city for 70 years, safety would be a huge concern for these returnees, given the history of the city of Jerusalem. Now, as, as I was preparing for this teaching, I, I read something and uh, I found some information about Jerusalem, that Jerusalem has been destroyed at least twice. The whole city has been decimated twice. It has been besieged 23 times. It was captured and recaptured 44 times. And the city was attacked 52 times. And you all know that Jerusalem remains at the center of controversy even today as its ownership is claimed by the Jews, by the Christians, by the Muslims. And even today we see the city uh, divided. So Zechariah sees this vision of a person with a measuring line in his hands and going to measure the city walls of Jerusalem. 
But then the voice of the Lord spoke and said, Jerusalem shall be inhabited as towns without walls because of the multitude of men and livestock in it. And God further promised that his, that he will be a wall of fire all around her and that his glory will be in the midst of Jerusalem. Now, church, this, this prophecy has two aspects of fulfillment. That's what I want to get to this morning. Uh, and I'll be reading a number of scriptures this morning, so bear with me. And uh, it's, it's good sometimes to let the scriptures do the talking than, than me. So most of the prophecies spoken in the Old Testament, they have these dual features. On the one hand, they pronounce the plans and purposes of God for the people then and there. And on the other hand, they, they foretell the coming of the Messiah and they paint a picture of what is to come upon the Lord's appearing. So you see these dual features whenever you read uh, prophecies in the book of, uh, in the Old Testament. So the same can be said of these prophecies that Zechariah just spoke. The first aspect of its fulfillment relates to what just happened in the immediate aftermath of the return of these exiled Jews. The priority of the returning Jews was rebuilding the city. The city was destroyed. They were trying to build, they, they were planning to build its walls, its gates, planning to build the temple that was destroyed. So, but this was not an easy thing to do given the numerous adversities all around them. They had enemies on their way back to Jerusalem. They had to, pay, they had to face these enemies as they were trying to return to Jerusalem. From Babylon to Jerusalem, I read it took them some four months to walk all that journey. They had enemies waiting for them in Jerusalem, and they had enemies all around Jerusalem. So for these people to whom safety was a huge concern, one of the first promises that God gave them was of protection, that he will be a wall of fire all around Jerusalem, all around them. God spoke these words to comfort them and to let them know that even though there are all these adversities all around them, on their way back, waiting for them in Jerusalem and all around Jerusalem, that God was going to be a wall of fire all around them. Now, in the book of Ezra, chapter 8, from verse 21 to 23, we read one of the security concerns that they have. There, Ezra said, Then I proclaimed the fast there at the river of Ahava, that we, may, that we might humble ourselves before our God to seek from him the right way for us and our little ones and all our possessions. For I was ashamed to request of the king an escort of soldiers and horsemen to help us against the enemy on the road. See, they had an enemy on the road and King Cyrus had uh, proposed to, to give them an escort of soldiers and everything. But Ezra refused that. He said, For I was ashamed to request of the king an escort of soldiers and horsemen to help us against the enemy on the road, because we had spoken to the king, saying, The hand of God is upon all those for good who seek him. But his power and his wrath 
are against all those who forsake him. So we fasted and entreated our God for this, and he answered our prayer. And he answered our prayer. So they had this security concern going back to Jerusalem. Like I told you, it was going to be a four-month walk, traveling through many adversities, and being offered help from a king. They refused that because they were relying on the protection that God was going to provide for them. There were also safety concerns as they began to build the walls uh, of Jerusalem and its city gates. Now, in the book of Nehemiah, chapter 4, from verse 7 to 9, we read, Now it happened, when Shambhalat, Tobiah, and the, the Arabs, the Ammonites, the Ashadites, heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were beginning to be clothed, that they became very angry. And all, and all of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. Nevertheless, we made our prayer to God, and because of them, we set a watch against them day and night. So you see that despite the challenges being there, this mighty man of faith stood firm upon the promise of God for protection. Now, they had an option to despair, to give up hope by looking at the challenges and the circumstances that were all around them, surrounding them, but they chose to fight the good fight of faith by standing firm upon the promise that they have received from the Lord because God has pronounced and proclaimed that he will be a wall of fire all around them. And the Lord indeed honored his promise to them, and they were, ob- they were able to make this journey safely, and they were also able to complete the task of rebuilding the city, its gates, and finally uh, the temple. Now the second promise that God gave them, aside from protection, was that his glory will be in the midst of them. The glory of God is the manifestation of his presence. Wherever the Lord chooses to reveal himself, you will see his glory. Whenever his, his, his presence is manifested, you will indeed see and comprehend his glory. Now, upon their return to Jerusalem, one of their plans was to rebuild the temple that was destroyed. The temple that Solomon built in 1000 BC was destroyed by King Nebuchadnezzar, and one of their plans was to restore this, this temple. So some of the, the returnees, which are now older citizens, they knew the glory that the former temple had. Now, if you remember, in the, in the book of Kings, after King Solomon built the temple and he, after he dedicated, when he dedicated the temple, he prayed that whenever someone appears before this temple and calls on your name, promise me that you will reveal your glory. So the glory of God was always in that temple, It was always ready to be manifested to his people. And some of these people who have seen the glory of the first, the former temple, were now, they were now in in a state of confusion because the temple is now destroyed. And even if we built it again, will the glory be there? Therefore, they wondered whether that glory of God, which they knew, will come and dwell in this new temple as they were going to. Uh, rebuild it. In the book of Haggai, chapter 2, verse 1 to 9, we see again that 
the prophecy that Zechariah spoke, spoke, spoke about being fulfilled. Now from verses 1 to 9, it says, In the seventh month, on the 21st of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people, saying, Who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? And how do you see it now? In comparison with it, is this not in your eyes as nothing? You see, they knew the the glory of the former house. They knew how glorious it was when God was manifested. They knew how glorious it was when when the clouds covered the temple. But now when they see this new temple that is being built, it was as if it was nothing before their eyes. Verse 4, Yet now be strong, Zerubbabel, says the Lord, and be strong, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and be strong, all you people of the land, says the Lord, and work, for I am with you, says the Lord of hosts, according to the word that I covenanted, I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains among you. Do not fear, for thus says the Lord of hosts, once more, it's a little while, I will shake the heaven and earth, the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations, and they shall come to the desire of all nations, which I believe is the city of Jerusalem. And I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. So like I said, Zechariah spoke a prophecy in which God promised his people that he will be a wall of fire all around them and that his glory will be in their midst. We first saw how God fulfilled his promise of protection by providing them protection as the returnees made their journey back to Jerusalem from Babylon, and how God also protected them as they began the task of rebuilding the city, the temple, its gates, and its walls. And now the second aspect of that promise was that God's glory was going to be in their midst. Even though they had this concern whether as they were building the second temple, the glory will be there, God comes and gives them the assurance that the glory of the latter house was going to be much more than the glory of the former house. It's amazing that we, we have a God whose glory will ever increase. There's, there's never a time in the presence of God where you, where you have a better yesterday than today. Because in the presence of God, there is an ever-increasing glory, there is an ever-increasing joy, there is an ever-increasing presence of God so that you will never have a better yesterday in the presence of God. Today is always better. Today is always of more glory, of more joy, of more peace than yesterday. And I believe that's how it's going to be even when we go to heaven. We, we will be amazed of the glory of God. Whenever we see it, we are going to see a new glory, which we have never seen again, which we have never seen before. 
a glory that keeps on increasing, a glory that keeps on magnifying itself, a glory which we will never be able to comprehend and say, I've seen it, I've got it. There will be more glory. There will be more joy. So here we see, again, God fulfilling his promise to fill the temple with his glory. Now, when we talk about the wall of fire and God's protection from our enemies, I just want to remind you that our fight is not with flesh and blood. Our our enemies are not our neighbors. Our enemies are not our friends. They are not people, in fact, for it's written in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Now, you cannot sign a neutrality agreement with the devil because he's always out there to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But on the other hand, we have a Lord who is always out there to give you life and to give you an abundant life that will overflow. So, Steve was saying last week that you need to choose a side. You need to choose and pick a side. If you want God to enter into that fiery furnace with you, he was saying, you have to be, you have to be on his side. This is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood with God before the temptation and the trial came. And then when the temptation and the trial came, the God whom they trusted, the God with whom they stood, entered into that fiery furnace with them. So you need to pick that side. When you pick Jesus, he becomes your shepherd. He becomes your ultimate protector. He will lead you beside still waters. And he will restore your soul. He will remove your burden. And he will give you rest. And most importantly, church, the protection of Jesus is not only against our enemies but also against the wrath of God. It is through him that we have escaped the judgment of God. And it is through his blood that we have received the remissions of our sins. So it's Jesus who provides that all-rounded protection for our life. Now I want to pass to the second and the ultimate aspect of the fulfillment of this prophecy spoken of by Zechariah. I spoke earlier about the immediate fulfillment of that prophecy during the return of the Jews and, as, and during the, their effort to rebuild the city. But the second and the ultimate aspect of the prophecy's fulfillment was pointing to the time of Jesus. This promise of God's protection to his people and his glory in the midst of them was not, was not only meant to be a seasonal prophecy for that time, for the people then and there, but it was a forward-looking prophecy with its ultimate fulfillment in the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ in Jerusalem. Now, Zechariah also spoke in chapter 9, verse 9, and prophesied that, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the fall of a donkey. 
This was a prophecy that was spoken concerning the appearing of Jesus. And this was fulfilled when Jesus entered the city of Jerusalem on the back of a donkey, and the people were shouting and singing Hosanna. Now, however, apart from the few that received Jesus and sought to worship him, when the time came and the Lord appeared in Jerusalem, the majority of them rejected him. This was such a crucial time of visitation for Jerusalem. This was a time when God was going to seal his promises to the nation through Christ Jesus. But Jerusalem did not know its time of visitation. The Pharisees, the elders of the church, the leaders of the synagogue, all of them led a rebellion against the Lord Jesus. Against that wall of fire sent to protect them. Against the glory of God that was sent to be in their midst. Therefore we read, Jesus wept as he entered the city of Jerusalem. In Luke chapter 19, verses 41 to 44, we read, Now as he drew near, that is Jesus drew near to the city, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you had known, even you, especially in this, year, in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround, surround you and close you, in a, close you in on every side and level you and your children within you to the ground. And they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. Now that, that, that wall of fire and that glory which was meant to be in the presence, which was meant to be in the midst of the people of God, was Jesus. You see, when God was talking about a wall of fire, he was not talking about a literal wall of fire around the city of Jerusalem. It was his presence. It was the manifestation of his presence, which was going to be their protection from their enemies. It was going to be his presence and the manifestation of his presence, which was going to be a glory in their midst. And it was meant to be ultimately fulfilled by the presence and by the appearing of Jesus Christ in Jerusalem. But when the time came and Jesus appeared in Jerusalem, they did not know him. They did not acknowledge him. Let's read Matthew chapter 24, verse 1 to 2, as we prepare to finish this sermon. Here we read, Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came up to show him the building of the temple, the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, Do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. This is such an amazing scripture. If we can go back to verse 1. It says, Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. Now, I have read this scripture many times, but it came alive to me in the year 2012. I've often wondered why Jesus was angry with his disciples who were just trying to show him 
the building. And he was furious with them and says, why do you see this building? Why do you see this, the architectural design? Why do you marvel at the building? I did not know why Jesus was angry and furious with his disciples. But that, there came a day in 2012, I remember, I have a vivid memory of how the Lord explained this particular verse to me. And then all of a sudden I saw and I understood why Jesus was furious at them. That, during that time, I was reading the book of Matthew. And on that particular day, I was meant to read chapter 24. And then believe it or not, after I read just that, that, that portion of the scripture, which says, then Jesus went out and departed from the temple. I could not pass that line for over an hour or so. All of a sudden, I could see the presence of God being lifted up. I could see the presence of God departing from the temple. This was not an ordinary departure. This was not like saying, now we, we will all depart from this hall when, when the service ends, yeah? It was not like that. Jesus was not just leaving after a service. Jesus was being pushed out of the temple. You see, the temple doesn't have any meaning apart from the presence of God. In the book of 1 Samuel, when the Ark of the Covenant was captured, that the daughter of uh, the priest Eli's uh, son gave birth to a child, and she named him Ichabod. Ichabod means the glory has departed. The Ark of the Covenant, which represented the presence of God, was captured. And that means the glory of God has departed. That was what happened here. When Jesus left that temple, he was not living according, just like the ordinary days when he would have finished a sermon or teaching or healing and then would leave the temple. But this one was very different. The presence of God was being pushed out of the temple. And that's why when they began to talk about the, the building and the temple and how it's marvelous seeing the architectural design and probably talking about its history, how it was built and so on, the disciples did not get it. You see, the, the, the presence of God was departing. His glory was going out. Jesus was being pushed out of that house, out of that temple, and that temple no longer had meaning. You can talk about its history. You can talk about its architectural designs and beauties and its history, but it has no meaning apart from the presence of God, that cloud which, which, man, which, which represented the glory of God. In Matthew, when chapter 23 of Matthew, the book of Matthew ends, verses 37 and 38 says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones and stones those who are sent to her. How often I, want, I wanted to gather you, your children together, as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate. For I say to you, you shall see me no more till you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. 
This is how chapter 23 ends. And then when chapter 24 begins, we see Jesus departing from the temple. That ultimate fulfillment of the prophecy spoken of by Zechariah, that God would be a wall of fire around her and that his glory would be in her midst, was supposed to be fulfilled by Jerusalem receiving and accepting and honoring the presence of Jesus in their midst. But because they rejected him, Jesus had to leave. Jesus had to depart. And the glory of God had to depart from that temple. And as Jesus prophesied, the second temple was also destroyed in 70 AD. That building which they were proud of was also destroyed. Now, church, the ultimate and the most precious gift that God has given us and will ever give to anybody is Jesus Christ. All of the other blessings that we get to enjoy are added benefits. They are bonuses. The ultimate revelation that God wants us to reach, to reach to, is the revelation of his son, Jesus Christ. He is the living water that you can drink from and will never be thirsty again. May I ask the band to come? He is the ultimate water that we can drink from and will never be thirsty again. Jesus is the ultimate bread of life that we can eat from and will never be hungry again. He is the wall of fire that is promised to us to be all around us. He is the ultimate glory of God that is promised to be in our midst. So I just want to ask us this morning, for the Bible declares that, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Who is reigning in your temple today? Is there a room for the Lord in your temple today? I just want to give you a minute to communicate. Just let, let, let everyone close your eyes and tell Jesus to come into your heart. Let's take this opportunity to renew our covenant with the Lord. Let us learn from the mistake that Jerusalem has made. Jerusalem did not know the time of her visitation. Behold, the Lord says, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone listens to my voice and opens the doors, I will come and I will have supper with him. Church, our lives have no meaning apart from Jesus. Our life has no meaning. Our life has no value if Jesus is not in it. If the Lord The glory of the Lord is not in our midst. Who occupies the center of your temple? Who is in the midst of your temple this morning? Open up your hearts to the Lord this morning. Invite Jesus into your hearts. If you have ever pushed the presence of God away from you, Let's take this moment to fall down before him 
to fall down before his presence and renew our covenant. Church, we need Jesus. We need Jesus at the center of our, our church. We need him at the center of our lives. We need him at the center of all our activities. We need him at the center of all our plans and purposes of life. He is the living water. He is the living bread of life. You can only live a life that is satisfied when Jesus is represented in the midst of your temple. A measure of satisfaction may be obtained from the things of the world. A measure of satisfaction may be obtained from the things that we have. But the full measure of our satisfaction lies in Christ Jesus. Oh God, we pray this morning for your holy presence. We pray that your glory will be manifested again in our lives. In all activities. In all the things that we do. We pray that that cloud of your, your presence. A heavy cloud of your glory. Will begin to be manifested as we gather to lift up your name. Every Sunday. That your glory would be manifested in our everyday today lives and walks of life that we would carry your presence wherever we go to that we would be carriers of your presence of your holy glory wherever we may be we have learned from Jerusalem and we say yes to you Lord we receive you We open up our hearts to you, Lord. You are the beauty in the midst of our temple. You are the beauty in the midst of our life. You are the beauty in the midst of our marriages. You are the beauty in the midst of our work and our businesses. And everything that we have revolves around you, Lord. And it's all for your glory. For we have received it from you. And we sacrifice it to you, Lord. Let your holy presence, let your holy glory be in our midst. And let only your name be magnified and glorified. We declare, Lord, that you would pour out the the rain of your spirit. That you would shower each and every individual here today with your glory. Let your glory be manifested upon the troubles and the circumstances of life and the issues that they have brought before you today. For you have promised to be a wall of protection all around us, O God. Let this wall of fire continue to burn all around us and protect us from the enemy, from the darkness, from the evil forces from powers and principalities, Lord, from all attacks of the enemy that we may not be able to see. Let that wall of fire surround our lives and let your holy glory be always in our midst, Lord. We worship you. We praise your name. We glorify you.
We love you, Lord. We honor you for you are a covenant-keeping God. We honor you for you are a promise-keeping God. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. All glory be to you. In the name of Jesus. Amen.